98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo show, and once again, our top story of the day. If you're just getting in your car, if you're just tuning in, if you just heard the Sports Center update, or you've been following this story all day long, came down this morning. Robert Sarver, owner of the Suns, owner of the Mercury, has been suspended one year and fined $10 million by the NBA as the result of the investigation into the Suns organization. He used the N word at least five times when recounting the statements of others, according to the investigation. There were instances of inequitable conduct towards female employees. There were sex-related comments. There were inappropriate comments on employees' appearances. Um, The statements, and and just because I want to make sure in fairness to all, we get all of these out there. Robert Sarver quotes, while I disagree with some of the particulars of the NBA's report, I would like to apologize for my words and actions that offended our employees. I take full responsibility for what I have done. I am sorry for causing this pain. And these Errors in judgment are not consistent with my personal philosophy or my values. I accept the consequences of the NBA's decision, close quote. Suns released a statement in which they said they are committed to creating a safe, respectful, and inclusive work environment that is free of discrimination and harassment, close quote. 320 interviews, 80,000 different documents and materials, emails, text messages, etc., etc. The reaction today, Gambo, has largely been one of... It's not enough. Mainly among the media that covers the NBA, we haven't seen a ton of player reaction. We've gotten tweets from Jamal Crawford. Jay Crowder sent out a tweet in which he just said, wow. Jamal Crawford called it Sterling 2.0 and said he's seen this movie before. But we haven't seen a ton of player reaction so far to this news. We have seen a lot of fan reaction, a lot of media reaction, and most of it is with the idea that Robert Sarver got off really, really easy on this one by the NBA. That seems to be the conclusion. And we're going to talk about this again. I mean, this may not be over. Like, this may not be over. I mean, there are, you know, will the players, are the players going to react to this? And I brought up the fact, and I know we'll head on it again, there are like 13 other owners. What about the minority owners in the organization? How are advertisers going to respond to this? I mean, you know, there's a there's a lot of other things that, that this could branch off to many, many different angles. Sure. So we have to see how it goes. Now, you know, Robert and it w- was adamant, he adamant that he has been at the forefront of diversity and minority hirings and equality in the workplace, okay? And he has. His track record does prove that. Now, that doesn't give him any right to treat people, uh, you know, to, to demean people, uh, degrade people, to say those things. Look, even if you're accounting or a statement that somebody else said, you don't use, there's words you don't use. Yes. Okay? Those doesn't matter. Even if somebody else said, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so and he said this blanket, you don't, like... You don't, that doesn't justify you in saying it. It doesn't justify you saying it. It just uh, it doesn't. So mistakes were made, clearly. The NBA obviously did not feel that he needed to, to sell the organization, that they would have came down with that. They they forced Donald Sterling out. This this wasn't a Donald Sterling situation. As a matter of fact, I think in the NBA report, it kind of said that he wasn't intentionally... Yeah, go ahead. Finish your I mean, thought. I Finish think you thought. have it more than I do, but he wasn't intentionally trying to be chauvinistic or misogynist or racist. He was trying to be funny. Yeah. Now, that doesn't excuse the behavior. Okay, it doesn't excuse the behavior. There are people that were hurt by this. Okay, there were people that were hurt by that, and a lot of those people wanted to see this go further. They're upset with the NBA. They're upset with the NBA for not taking this further. 
the, here's here's from the story to just to back up what you're saying. It goes through all the different things that he is found to have done from this investigation. Five different occasions where he used the N word, inequitable conduct towards female employees, inappropriate comments, inappropriate physical conduct towards male employees, demeaning and harsh treatment. But then in almost the same paragraph, it says the investigation made no finding that Mr. Sarver's workplace misconduct was motivated by racial or gender based bias. And for a lot of people, that's like, well, wait a minute. Everything you just said he did in the story seems to indicate racial and gender based bias. But How can you say he's not? Because his hiring practices. Well, he's at the lead, He's one of the leaders in the NBA with diversity and minority hiring. That was part of it. But I also looked in the report and it seemed to make it sound like they didn't believe there was any intent by Robert Sarver to be a racist or to be a misogynist, that instead he was trying to be funny with there bad was a jokes. Ro- remember, the, there was a roast where there was a video of a roast. He was invited to roast somebody. And during that roast, he got kind of dirty yeah. and said a lot of things. Now, he's not thinking that this will ever come back to bite him. I'm just trying to be funny. Right. I'm trying to be funny. And, and But that came, back, that came back to bite him because somebody recorded that. It was used against them. And in the league's invest, in the law firm's investigation, and in their opinion, this behavior by Robert didn't indicate that he was racially motivated or that he was a sexist, just that he was, A, trying to be funny in situations that didn't call for it and with jokes that weren't funny at all, or B, he was trying to be aggressive with employees. He was trying to show, like, dominance over employees by being that kind of person, and it didn't necessarily mean he was a racist or it didn't mean he was a sexist, just that, that he was guilty more of those things, and maybe it was that lack of intent that put the NBA in a position where they didn't feel like they needed to go Donald Sterling on him, where they didn't feel like they had to take the organization away from him. I don't know, but but a lot of people are upset. A lot of people think more should have been done. And I'll tell you something else that we started talking about earlier, and that is, okay, he's gone for a year now, but he's not really gone. He can't really be gone. And what I mean by that is, as much as we can sit here and say he's suspended from the team, he's not allowed to represent them, he's not allowed to be their owner, he's not allowed to go to the practice facility or games or anything but like he's that. He's going to appoint the person that's going to make the decision. A, he's going to appoint the person. It's that's very going to likely going to be him that's going to appoint the and person. B, don't tell me for a second that if the Suns have to make a big financial decision about a player or a personnel move, no, don't kid yourself. He's going to be in on that. He's going to be in on that. Yeah, don't kid yourself. So He'll be in on it. So yeah. what have we really accomplished today? You know, I mean, you, what, you've, what you've accomplished is the humiliation, the embarrassment, the uh, look, the franchise takes a hit today. Make no mistake about it. I mean, this is a, this is a little bit of a black mark on the organization. I mean, the enterprise of the, the Phoenix Suns are an enterprise. The enterprise takes a little bit of a hit. So to say that it doesn't, I mean, that's like the, the biggest thing is just the embarrassment. Like I can't you own a team. You can't go to a game. You can't go to a Suns game, a Mercury game. You can't represent the team in any fashion. You can't be there. Sure, maybe on the side, if there's a big decision to be made, whoever you appoint will come to your house for lunch one day. And boy, boy, you think we should? Oh boy, I'm Bogdanovich. I like, yeah, I like him too. Oh, you know, like I'm not know, saying, but boy, I sure would. Well, I would that, if I was in know. charge, I'd probably like. I think that will happen. But I look to, to think that there's no shame and no embarrassment over uh, this. There's, a, I mean, that is that's a punishment into into itself. I I, I agree with you to an extent. 
extent, but but I, I'm, I guess I'm dealing in practical terms here. And this idea, and, and I'm, I'm going to go to the statement here because I just want to make sure I get this right. He's not allowed to be present at any NBA, WNBA team facility, including any office arena or practice facility. He cannot attend or participate in any NBA, WNBA event or activity that includes games, practices, business, business partner activities. He can't represent the Suns or Mercury in any public or private capacity. It all sounds heavy. It all sounds like, oh, man, he is going to be he's gone. He's not really going to be poof gone. I mean, if, if Boyan Bogdanovich, if the Suns have an opportunity to acquire him in the next three weeks, Robert's going to be in on that. He's, he's going to And if he's not, at least the person he appoints is going to be in on that. And, and so I don't, so with that involvement still, it's kind of like a manager in baseball. Manager in baseball gets ejected from the game. Some managers, just go back and watch the game on TV and trust their bench coach with the rest of the game. Yeah. Other managers go in the back and they're like standing in the hallway behind the dugout. They're, put Jackson in. <laughs> Pinch hit Billy here. <laughs> and then other managers put on a fake mustache and go sit in the dugout. Bobby Valentine. And try to manage the team looking like some schmo who's there to, you know, clean up the dugout or something, right? And, and so I. I this idea that Robert's going to be completely divorced from the Suns over the next year, between that and a $10 million fine, which was the most the NBA was allowed to do, but it still seems kind of light. I can understand why there are some people, a lot of people, upset that the NBA just didn't do enough with this today. Yeah, listen, I, there's, there's obviously, you know, souring the reputation of, of the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they're being dragged through the mud a little bit today, right? Everywhere you go, I mean, it's not, this isn't a great day, you know, with the, with the Suns' name, right? right now is being tarnished a little bit. Now, how much and does time heal all wounds and what and what goes on? Listen, like we said, there's, there's going to be more to this story at some point. It'll depend on players. It'll depend on other owners. Yeah. Um, but, like, it might not be over. This might not be the end. And we'll talk about that next when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. One avenue in which it might not be over and another avenue that we have yet to really explore so far. The players. Chris Paul, he's been in a situation very similar to this not that long ago. How is he going to react this time around? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Robert Sarver suspended by the NBA and the WNBA for one year. He is not allowed to have any form of contact or representation of the Sons of the Mercury for the next year. Fine $10 million as a result of the near year-long investigation into allegations of racial words and of misogynistic behavior and a workplace, toxic workplace environment. I think one of the other accusations that were investigated was the fact that the HR department was one that most employees felt like they couldn't trust, like they couldn't really report anything because they were worried that there was going to be payback for reporting. All of these things the Suns say that they have fixed or are fixing, and of course Robert now has to step away from the team for a year. If, if you've just tuned into the show, if you haven't heard us talking about this for most of the day, and obviously this has been our big story of the day, 
Gambo talked about earlier in the show one of many, many things that could happen now. And it could very well be the story is done, that this is truly the end of the story. And a year from now, Robert comes back and everything just moves on. There are many other possible outcomes, and we want to talk about a couple of them here. Number one is that the minority owners of the Suns, not the other owners in the NBA, but the minority owners of the Suns, if there is such a clause in a contract that they have with Robert to allow them to do this, could, for lack of a better way of putting it, stage some kind of a coup here if they wanted to. Well, I mean, I mean, do you remember when Jerry Colangelo lost control of the of Arizona Diamondbacks? The one and only story I ever broke in my entire life. Yeah, Jerry, was that was that your That's one? That's my one and only story I ever yeah, broke in my Jerry entire Colangelo life. Jerry Colangelo had, there was... I had uh, that first. I was, yeah, I yeah, remember Yeah, well. I mean, it was just, there was financial irresponsibility by Jerry Colangelo at at the time, and the, the, the partners got together and they made a decision what was best for the organization because the, the organization was in some kind of financial ruins. There is very likely language in any partnership agreement. This is what I was told today, and I spoke with some people very, very close to this situation, that would allow for the removal of a principal owner for cause. Now, you would have to determine what that language is and what the cause is, but it's very likely it's part of the legal agreement regarding bad conduct, language that would allow for it. Now, it doesn't mean you're obligated to do that, but if enough minority owners are upset with what's happened here and the um, you know the franchise being dragged through the mud and the, the potential loss of revenue, whatever it is, you know they could decide to make a move against him. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but they could, based on the language and the financial agreement of the partnership deal, they could do that. There is one owner, John the Jaffe. He's been very ambitious, very ambitious in opposing Robert. He's got a brother who's got a significant stake in the ownership, too. Robert owns about 35% of the team, I believe. Um, now, listen, I don't think you could prove damages economically. This isn't like the, 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 the D-backs with Jerry. Robert hasn't run this business into the ground. In fact, it's grown. The investment that these guys have made has grown tremendously. Everybody's yeah. made money. But could there be damages? Could they could they decide to vote him out or vote for a sale of the team? That's possible. That would all depend on the language that's in this agreement. It would depend on the language in the agreement and what their ability is to, to act on it. I think a lot of it would depend on, on how sponsors react to this news. Do, do, yes. do a lot of people take their business away from the Suns because of this? Is it all status quo? I mean, you're right. Every investor of the Phoenix Suns over the last 10, 15 years under Robert Sarver's leadership has made a lot of money. I mean, the valuation of the franchise yes. has gone up enormously. I do think there's another thing that can happen here, and to me, it's the most curious potential development of them all. Players? Yeah. That's yeah. the players, and that's and in particular, Chris Paul, a player who has been so active with Black Lives Matter, who's been so active with historically black colleges and universities, so much that he's practically their spokesperson. How how does he? And I I hesitate to say this because I don't want to make it sound like there's pressure on Chris to do something, or that I'm putting pressure on Chris to do something. It's more of a curiosity. Will he do something? Will he say? Will Devin? Booker say something. I think with Sterling, I think he was refusing to play with Sterling. Well, he was on the Clippers with the Sterling. Oh, I know. Thing. I know. And, it- and I think he actually refused to play. I, if something wasn't going to happen, you'd have to look it up. But I kind of remember something about him like 
key. I don't think he was going to play. Chris Paul considers sitting out if Donald Sterling remains Clippers owner. This okay, is a there you go. July 24th, 2014. Speaking to ESPN.com, Chris Paul called the fact that Sterling remains the owner, quote, unacceptable, close quote, and added that he has talked to Clippers head coach Doc Rivers about possibly staging a boycott until Sterling is ousted. Quote, that's something me and Doc are both talking about, close quote. Something has to happen and something needs to happen soon. Now, again, to to say this Much different is, situation. is to imply that I expect or demand or want Chris Paul to do the same thing here. I, I don't. It's just more of a curiosity. How does he react to this now that this is public, now that these accusations have an investigation behind them and, and are almost a stated fact now as opposed to an allegation? How does Devin Booker respond? How does Monty Williams respond? I mean, Monty, remember when Monty got hired here and one of my... All-time memories of that moment was Monty basically saying, hey, look, I had to, Robert had to interview me just as much as I had to interview Robert if I was going to decide to come here and be the coach. It wasn't just Robert interviewing right. me. Right. I had to interview him to make sure all the stuff that we had kind of heard about him was in the past. And, and of course, Monty's signed a contract extension this offseason. James has signed a contract extension. They seem as if they're very happy here and they're happy with Robert's leadership. But now that this is made public, I'll be curious how the leadership of the Suns locker room responds, if at all, to this? Do they say anything? Okay. Do they do anything? Because that could influence those minority owners and what they decide to do. Yeah, this. I will say this. This is nothing like the Sterling situation. Okay? This is nothing like what happened. Donald Sterling was a racist. Okay? I mean, he was on tape you know, with his girlfriend asking why she's associating with black people sure, in public and why did you invite Magic Johnson to the game? He was a racist. They had a lot of proof They had there. a smoking gun. They, they had a they had a smoking gun. gun. Yes. I mean, there's no smoking gun. Here. Yeah, with Robert, he made comments that were inappropriate, and they, but, but they weren't racist comments. They weren't meant like, you know, it. it the comments he made. You know, with the the comments on the racism, he was commenting from other people. And again, still wrong. Still shouldn't like, it's have said still it. wrong. Yeah. It's still, and demeaning women and stuff is wrong. Like, that's wrong. He's punished. He needs to be punished. Like, Robert needed to be punished. Nobody's saying he shouldn't be. But I don't think the situation is anything like what with Donald Sterling and the Clippers. So now we get to that other part. Okay, we know for a fact that, you know, that Robert's out for one year. We know he's fined the $10 million. Now we see, okay, what will the owners do? And to your point, what do the players do? Robert's had a really good relationship with a lot of the players, including Devin Booker. Yes, like no Devin doubt. Booker and Robert Sarver had a very, very close relationship. So at that point, look, the, the, the play the, if the players have seen that and heard that, I think that they would be very outspoken against Robert. Um, but these instances that did occur, right? Nobody's saying they didn't occur. They did occur. I don't think any of these were in front of any of the players or anything. But still, the players have to now, amongst themselves, decide, you know, because the players do have power in these leagues now. Players have power. They, they, they have the ability to create change in a lot of things. They may have to come together and decide whether they want to do something or not. And, and, and uh, 
uh, just to repeat myself here, and, and I don't mean to bore anybody with that, I, I, I'm not sitting here saying that I expect Chris to do that. I demand that Chris do that. It's Chris's responsibility to do that. No, that, that's unfair. You're just bringing up that it's... I, I'm it's, just bringing up that yeah. it, it, is that an option that they would choose to pursue? Is that an option that he would choose to pursue? Robert, I, I mean, a couple of other quotes I'm seeing on social media, comments that he made after the initial Baxter Holmes report came out, comments that he made to the Arizona Republic several months after that was strongly denying he had ever used that word that he had ever said that word and today his statements you know acknowledging the responsibility the conclusion of the investigation would seemingly paint a very different picture but there are comments out there that are not that hard to find in which Robert strongly denies that he ever said anything like that at all and that now appears to not be the truth so I don't know I, I don't know how the players are going to do it but if we if we really are talking about minority owners of the Suns who have a chance contractually maybe to change things, will the players give them a reason to? Or is everybody fine with just a year and a year from now he takes back over control? It's a good question. I, know, I think we I have to let's see it play out. You know, the first thing you're looking for is how do advertisers respond? Is a lot of people that sponsor the Phoenix Suns. The second thing you look at is, is there a fall guy? Is there somebody in the organization that, you know, that will take uh, will take a hit for what happened there? And then the third thing you look at, do, 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 do the minority owners get together? Are they okay with like, you know, they've got to be on board with all of this too. Are they okay with that? That Robert will be out for a year and then we'll come back? So there are still some things that are in play here. We'll have to keep our eye on it. You've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Should the Cardinals have done more in the preseason? Should they have even played in the preseason just a little bit to make a difference against Kansas City? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Cardinals will be back on the practice field tomorrow. Oh, we'll all be curious to see who is exactly is on the practice field for the Cardinals tomorrow. Who's healthy enough to go, who's still out, who's hurt, etc., etc. And we'll really start looking at the Raiders, I imagine, tomorrow. We took kind oh, of a yeah. surface-level view today, but we'll really uh. start looking at them and talking more about Chandler Jones and Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and how... Look, this is an important game. It's a big game. It's Two a second bi- game after you get speed like that. It's a big game for both teams. I yeah. mean, it's... it's yeah. I saw some crazy stats today, and, and I wasn't going to bring it up. I will now just because... Do I, it. Well, it's... it's Do it. None of the teams that made the playoffs last year started 0-2. Now, that doesn't mean you can't start 0-2 and still make the playoffs. But the, the person who put that, twit, that tweet out there almost suggesting like, man, you 0-1 teams, you better win this weekend. I don't think it's that desperate. I think you start 0-2. And you got the Rams. You better not go 0-3. Yeah, then you got, I, yeah. I think you start 0-3 and your chances, even in a 17-team playoff, you start 0-3, you're in trouble, trouble, trouble. Yeah, it's a tough start to the schedule. The schedule will will break and be a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the Kansas City and then the Raiders and then the Rams. Sure, there's a chance you could start 0-3. Those are good football teams.
Yeah, yeah. They, they're, they're, okay, here was the stat. Nobody who started 0-2 last year made the playoffs. So the Cardinals trying to figure out what went wrong. And in reality, just about everything went wrong. And Nick Vigil today met with the media out at Cardinals headquarters, the new Cardinals inside linebacker, and he was kind of blunt in the lack of reps the first team defense had together leading up to this game. I mean, I, I can't really say exactly what changed, but uh, I mean, it was just early on that was... You know, that was the first reps we've got as a group, you know, together. Um, and I, I think it showed, uh, you know, early on in the game. Um, and so, yeah, we just got to be better in communication. Um, just make that a point of emphasis going forward. First, first reps we got as a group. Guys, we didn't really know each other. We haven't played together. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm here. Like, I haven't played with any of these guys. We got no, we didn't, we, we didn't play. Which then kind of begs the question, and we talked about this a little earlier. Did Cliff and the Cardinals, and a, and a few teams do this, did they basically treat week one as an extension of the preseason? Like, like not they, intentionally. Not, not intentionally. Because I think some teams do almost intentionally treat week one as just sort of a, yeah, you know what? If we lose week one, it's fine. Well, well what happened fine. last year? They beat Tennessee to like a drum. Yeah, they did. They didn't treat week one last like a preseason no, game. They but, went out to beat the hell out of the Titans. But Tennessee also had the hell beaten out of them in week one, and it didn't matter. They still, still finished as number one seed in the AFC. Look, I think it's real simple. This is my opinion. I, I think that... In evaluating the collapses in the second half of the season that they've had since Cliff got here, they determined that they just needed to give guys more rest early in camp and in, and, and in a preseason and not wear guys out and try to keep them healthy and fresher. And it backfired because, you know, that, that may be good for the end of the year, but it wasn't good for week one in the preseason. I mean, even against the Titans, they decided not to have a second, you know, practice against the Titans. Yeah. You know, which could have got them ready. No, one's good enough. I, I made the decision. I called Mike and I said, hey, let's only do the one. And so they were clearly trying to keep guys fresh and not have them play a whole lot. And that might have been something that they, they, they felt was going to help them in the second half of the season, but it clearly didn't help them in the first game of the season. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. And, and look, they could have, if we're just being honest about it, they could have given Kyler Murray 30 snaps in the preseason and they still might have lost to the yes. Chiefs by double digits. They still might have lost 44-21. That's a really good football team they played. Maybe the best football team they're going to play all year. Arguably the toughest test they're going to have all year. They could have given all the preseason practice reps they wanted to that defense and to Kyler and we might be standing here with the same outcome. I can't remember who. I think I sent it to you today. I'm looking through my notes for it. Um, what, somebody, I think it was somebody on Revenge of the Birds website brought up the point that this was Isaiah Simmons' first game wearing the green dot and given that they blitzed 54% of the time, which basically accounted to about 36 plays that they blitzed, that maybe all of that information for Isaiah Simmons to process in that moment might have led to a lot of the confusion defensively that maybe that was just because, you know, who's and I still got to cover Travis Kelsey. Exactly. And, and, and I got to get you, you lined up. I got to make the call. I got to see the defense. Through and, then the I cover that guy. and then I got to cover the most uncoverable tight end in the NFL in the last 10 years. And it might have just been information overload, circuits overblown. And Isaiah, it was just too much for Isaiah Simmons and the defense to hand given that they were blitzing 36 times and Isaiah was also in charge of covering one of the most uncoverable guys in the NFL at the same time. It's an argument I would kind of buy. 
I, I could see that. I mean, I could understand that, that, you know, it's just, you know, especially with Isaiah having to make the calls. And look, we, we had talked four weeks ago that maybe Jalen Thompson was going to make the calls. We didn't know who was going to make the calls. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here it is on Isaiah, and there's a lot of pressure on him, and there's a lot of pressure on those guys, both him and Zavin, played a lot of snaps. They played a lot of snaps. Yeah. They didn't play great snaps, but they played a lot of snaps. Do you think? There's a chance the green dot. I, I'm, I'm sickened that we're still talking about this green dot thing, but it <laughs> seems to be a thing. Is there a chance the green dot's on somebody else today or this week? I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if that's a, if that's a. I, I mean, it's a good question. I'm trying to remember from the stories when they gave it to Isaiah. That's not really it? good if you've got to change one weekend. Like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> like you spent all you spent all camp getting the guy ready. And all of a sudden, one week in, you're going to bail? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. 49 is going to bail on Trey Lance after one week? No. I mean, I think you but give it a night after three or another. four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe you give it a few weeks and see if it works. Yeah. Uh, one last note on this preseason snap thing and, and visuals comments. Um, Jason Fitzgerald, who works for OverTheCap.com. Good follow on Twitter um, if you're if you're in the NFL. At Jason underscore OTC. Puts out really good information. At Jason underscore OTC. Pointed out that the teams who played at least 30 preseason snaps with their starting quarterback went eight, four, and two. The teams that won were the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Bears, the Giants, the Commanders, the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Dolphins. All of those teams won. All of those teams. So 30 snaps or more in the preseason. Yeah. So for their starting quarterback. Take out the tie in the NFL. 15 teams won games this week in the NFL. Eight of them gave 30 or more snaps in the preseason to their starting quarterback. Is that a direct correlation? So we're sitting here and I say one year from right now, is Kyler Murray going to enter the season with 30 or more snaps in the preseason? Would you say yes or no? No. You're still going to say no? No, he will not. He it won't. may depend on how the season goes. Maybe. Cardinals win six games. He might have to play in the preseason maybe, next year. Maybe, maybe. And you're probably right that that answer depends more on their performance over the course yeah. of the year. I, I I don't think Cliff will change his mind on this. I think most of the league has decided this is the way it's going to be. When we come back, actually, first, let me remind you that you can uh, join Four Peaks this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Vegas Raiders. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday at Phillies off of Warner Road and the I-10. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. Good news. The pool will be safe tonight. Oh, good. We'll we'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo show. Peeing in the pool. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck. Brought to you by 72 Sold. Get thousands more on your home with no inconvenience. Visit 72sold.com. And by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. Diamondbacks baseball coming up right after we sign off tonight here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The D-backs and the Dodgers take two live from Chase Field. Of course, the pregame coverage begins.
beginning at 6 o'clock. First pitch is at 6.40 in your pitching matchup tonight. It is brought to you by Native Interiors. Your floors, your way. Text the word floors to 620-620 for more information. Good pitching matchup tonight. Merrill Kelly gets the start for the Diamondbacks. The righty is 12-5 and with a 2.94 ERA. Clayton Kershaw gets the start for the Dodgers. 7-3 and with a 2.62 ERA. Yeah, Kershaw's uh, 18th start for him. First start against Arizona this season, but he's had 39 career starts against them. He's got 18 wins, 11 losses with a 2.81 ERA. Merrill Kelly's got five losses this year. Three of them are to the Dodgers. He is 0-3 with an ERA of 9.69 against L.A. That's his kryptonite this year. Merrill Kelly's had an outstanding year. The one team that's got him pretty good is the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm looking at his game logs here. It's funny. I, I had I wasn't prepared for this, but I'm looking at it. He had one horrendous start against them back on May 15th. Gave up eight earned runs in two innings pitched. The other times he's pitched against them, they were okay. April 25th, it was a quality start. Three earned runs, six innings. The other time he gave up three earned runs in five innings. Uh, it was that one awful start in which he gave up the eight earned in two that kind of skewed those numbers the way they did. Uh, and Kershaw, of course, is, you know, has that unbelievable career, kept off with the World Series championship. He's been hurt for a portion of this year, but he's back and he's making that first start. The Dodgers have a chance to officially clinch the National League West tonight here in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, they they clinched the playoff spot last night with their win. They thought they had officially clinched the playoff spot Two over days the weekend. Ago. Right. And we're told by Major League Baseball, no, 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 we got it wrong. They, Sorry, our bad. That was a crazy scenario, a three-way tie scenario that could have worked against them. So last night, they clinched the playoff spot. Tonight, they could clinch the National League West. When asked if the Dodgers do clinch the NL West, Dave Roberts said no, he does not anticipate his team jumping into the Chase Field pool like 2013. Quote, I think that's in the past. I just don't think that's who this team is. Yeah. Which then, of course, gives us an excuse to play this cut from Kirk Gibson. You know, there's some debate, and people have debated all over the country on whether they should have or should not have, but I think we would all agree that the peeing in the pool is not cool, and uh, that's that's bad pool etiquette. Don't pee in the pool. <laughs> maybe, Don't pee in the pool. Maybe, honestly, uh, seriously, in the... 11, 12 years we've been doing this show. That that might be one of one my of all-time cuts. favorite moments. I, I just I just want to play it again. You know, there's some debate, and people have debated all over the country on whether they should have or should not have, but I think we would all agree that the peeing in the pool is not cool, and uh, that's, that's bad pool etiquette. Mitch, give I me an Uncle Gibby. Sam poster with that yeah. quote on it with Gibby's face. Pool is not cool. Although he made me dump a pile of uh, a bucket of ice water on me, Kirk Gibson. Oh, did he nominate you for he that He nominated challenge? me yeah. for the ice bucket challenge. He did it in not the, the pee in the pool challenge? Yeah, no. no, the Diebacks dug out when the ice bucket challenge was going around. He did it. He goes, I challenge Gambo. And I'm like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> Good challenge by Kirk Gibson. Yeah, that's All awesome. Right. All right, so at least we don't have that to worry about tonight. Here's something that we do have to worry about and something we actually asked Troy Lovello about earlier today. Jordan Luplo's in the lineup again tonight. And a lot of people are wondering why, given all of the outfield choices the Diamondbacks have, that they're giving Luplo another start tonight. We had Troy on the show earlier, and we asked him straight up, why is he starting again tonight? We made the decision to send him out to get that swing working again. Uh, yesterday, even though we felt like he was tuned up and ready, which we, we've been hearing great reports from him and, and from the Reno staff, 
uh, it didn't work out well. And you know, I just don't want to be a one and done guy. I want to give him an opportunity. I know it was a, it was a very tough night for him last night, but we need Jordan Luplo to attack left-handed pitchers. We need him to go out there and be as good as he possibly can as a right-handed batter that's going to face some very tough left-handed pitching. That's why he's here. So I want to give him that opportunity. But um, you know, he's a part of this team. I've got to use all players on this team, and I want to plug him into the right equation. That's one that equal that it was going to give an opportunity to be successful, and we'll see how it turns out tonight. Has faith in his guys. Yeah, he does. Listen, I think there's five outfielders on this team, and I don't think there's any room for Jordan Luplo. With Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Dalton Varsho and Jake McCarthy and Stone Garrett, I've got five guys that I could get out there. I don't need any more outfielders. Stone Garrett's a right-handed bat. I'd like to see him get more opportunities, both against lefties and righties. Um, so I, I, I think that I don't really see a reason for Jordan Luplo to play. Yeah, Luplo's in left tonight. Um, Jake McCarthy is in right. Dalton Varsho is in center. So no Alex Thomas, no Corbin Carroll. Stone Garrett is the designated hitter tonight, so he will get some cracks at uh, Clayton Kershaw tonight. He's swung the bat tonight. well, man. Yeah, he has. he has. swung the bat well. He's been very impressive in very limited action. He's been very, very impressive. But uh, for the loop low... You know, those questioning Luplos in being in the lineup again tonight. That was the, the very politically correct answer that Tori Lovello gave us earlier today. Time now for On the Farm, and it's brought to you by Redbird Farms. You can't put a price on great taste. Two affiliates for the Diamondbacks that are in action tonight. One that's already underway. The Amarillo Sod Poodles in San Antonio are scoreless later tonight. Reno taking on Sacramento. I didn't get a read on what happened to the Miners last night. Of course, a couple days ago, Brandon Fat had an impressive start yet again for Reno and his numbers so continue good. to be impressive, but we should not anticipate a call-up from no, Brandon No, because he's not on the 40-man roster, and to add him to the 40-man roster, you'd have to expose somebody else, so I don't think that's going to happen. So I expect that he will not be called up this year, Brandon Fat. Next year, I think he'll get his opportunity. But we'll obviously keep an eye on him, because he continues to do very sure. well down in the minors until his until their schedule runs out there. Time now for the MLB stand and they're driven by trucks only. The Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks, 31 games behind the L.A. Dodgers, who have clinched the playoff spot and maybe clinched the West tonight. Diamondbacks are also 10.5 games out of the last wildcard spot in the National League. National League, I should say. The standings there still remain the same. The Braves have the number one wildcard spot. Philly has number two. The Padres have the third and final wildcard spot in the National League. The Brewers are two games back of the last wild card spot in the National League. The American League looks like it's pretty much set. In some combination, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto are likely going to get the three All spots. Three, yeah. The next no closest team, the Baltimore Orioles, they're five and a half back. Yeah. So the American League playoff field is pretty much set. Set. I mean, in terms of who gets in. That's a some, battle with Brewers, yeah. two out there in a battle. Yep, Brewers, that one's the last one that kind of needs to be determined, and we'll see over the Have last. the Braves overtaken the Mets? No, the Braves are still the wild card team right now. I'm glad you asked. The, it's close though, right? The I'm looking right now. The Braves are a game and a half behind the Mets okay, in game the and National half. Okay. East. Whew. Yeah, the Brewers are eight games back of the Cardinals. Of course, no one's close in the West. Mets were up by like ten at one point, I think. Uh, I believe you're right. The division races aren't very good. The White Sox are three games back of the Guardians. The White Sox playing much better. With, I mean, with Tony out. Tony out with Tony LaRusso. I'm not saying that's the reason why, but they certainly have been sparked by their interim manager over the last couple of weeks with Tony LaRusso out. That's one thing I've noticed, but White Sox still three games out. Time to get you some keys to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. 
master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game, presented by Mist America, home of the patented Mist 360 outdoor cooling system. Visit MistAmerica.com today for a cooler tomorrow. He was the National League Player of the Week from September 5th to the 11th. He batted 546. His on-base percentage was 593. His slugging was 1.046. His OPS, which I know you're down with. Down with it. 1.638. He had 12 hits, two doubles, three homers, and eight RBIs. You got to limit the damage from Freddie Freeman, your NL Player of the Week. Yeah, he's good. He's pretty good. He's really he's pretty good. He's really, really good. There's a lot of really good players on this Dodgers team. We are, that's it for us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Give it to God.